ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio. This is ESPN Radio on the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, and on ESPN Plus. Amber Wilson and Chris Canty taking you up until 7 p.m. Eastern. You can tweet to us at Chris Canty 99 at Amber W790. ESPN Radio is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. Right now, a very special guest. We go out to the guest line where we find Golden State Warriors forward Draymond Green. Draymond, what's up? Thanks so much for joining us. What's going on? Thanks for having me. So, Draymond, you've spent some time now on this side of the mic. Since you've dabbled a little bit in broadcasting here and there, has your opinion of the media changed at all? What is it like for you when you're over here doing what we're doing day in and out? Uh, I think when I'm over there doing it, what I realize is a lot of things that go on in, in the media are unnecessary. Um, so, I don't think it quite changed the way um, most would think my opinion changed. I think a lot of things are unnecessary. And then I also think that there are some times where players don't quite understand the position that a media member could be in. Uh, but on the flip side of that, I think, you know, it's, it's in part due to um, a lot of bad judgment used by media as well. So the trust is just all screwed up. Draymond, a month ago, right before Steph Curry got hurt, you were asked the question about how important the seeding was to you guys competing for a championship. And your response was whether you're the two seed or the two three seed, it didn't matter that you guys were going to win the championship. Now, I know this week we're about to put a bow on the regular season. It doesn't look like you guys will be the two seed. But how confident are you in standing by your words last month that your team is capable of being able to go on a championship run? I'm very confident in it. I think, you know, obviously health is important. Uh, we've kind of been hit with the injury bug a bit. Um, but nonetheless, we, we expect to, to go into the playoffs fully healthy. Obviously not having James Wiseman, who will be out for the rest of the season. But, um, you know, we're all expecting Steph to return and, and us to be fully healthy. And I still feel um, that we will go on to win a championship. I don't doubt that one bit. I still think we're more than capable. And, you know, uh, a team got to beat you four times. And I, I know that will be a very hard feat for anyone. Draymond Green on with Amber Wilson and Chris Canty here on ESPN Radio. Draymond Green is brought to us by Amazon Glow. We will get to your work with Amazon Glow in a minute, Draymond. But you mentioned the injury bug there. You would never experience a midseason injury like the one to your lower back back in January. You'd never missed such a long stretch of time. What has it been like for you this season facing that adversity and having to come back from that? Uh, I mean, it's been, it was a very tough thing. I think I'm, you know, finally starting to get my legs back underneath me, uh, you know, starting to get my, my wind and my conditioning back. But, I mean, very tough. I, you know, I gained a very, very, very large appreciation for guys um, that's been through significant injuries, like a Clay Thompson who missed two and a half years. You know, the, the rehab process, is, it's just such a tedious process, and it's, you know, it's, it's every day. It's, you know, five, six, seven hours a day. And, and you know, it's, you're, you're not doing what you love to do, which is play basketball. And for me, 
uh, the first seven and a half weeks, I couldn't touch a basketball. I couldn't run. I couldn't do anything. And so, we, you know, I think the one of the most challenging parts is, you know, most guys don't just play this game because of the money or play this game because of the fame. Most guys play this game because of the love for the game. And when that's stripped away from you due to injury, it's all, I mean, that's already tough in itself. Then you add on the, the work that you have to do in order to get back from that. And, you know, it's a haul. So I gained a lot of appreciation for guys that have been through some significant injuries. Draymond, earlier this year, you talked about your business partner, LeBron James, and him pursuing the scoring title in the NBA for career points. And you said that that game where he's poised to pass Kareem was a game that you would absolutely want to be at. And looking at LeBron James' situation now, he's leading the league in scoring average. He's got two games that he's got to play in in order to qualify according to the NBA rules. What would a scoring title at age 37 mean for LeBron James in terms of his legacy? I think that's incredible. I think it adds to uh, what he's been capable, what, what he's already done, um, and, and, a, and, a, and a real testament to who LeBron James has been. As incredible as, as he's been um, for the game of basketball, for you know everything off the court as far as athletes goes, and and, and the things you know the the position that he's helped elevate athletes to, all of those things are incredible. I think one of the most incredible things about LeBron and his career is his availability. Um, you know, he's been available. He's been healthy. I think, you know, it's well documented all, all the things that he does and the, the amount of money that he puts into his body. And so for, for him to be leading the league and scoring at age 37, it's, it's really just a true testament to who LeBron James is and, and all the work that he's put in and the career that he has put together. Golden State Warriors forward Draymond Green joining us here on ESPN Radio. So since we're talking about legacy, let's talk about your legacy, Draymond. What do you want your legacy to be after basketball? We talked about you dabbling in broadcasting. I guess it hasn't given you the appreciation for the media that maybe some of us in the media had hoped. Is that something that you want to pursue after you hang it up one day in a very long, long time from now? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that'll definitely be a, a part of what I do. I can't say that it will be the only thing that I do, but it'll definitely be a large part of what I do. Um, I truly enjoy it, and, and, and I, I hope to show and provide that balance that I think can be had. I think, uh, I think there's a way of being very critical of guys and not um, just saying things to stir up controversy, and I think that's a lot of what goes on in our game today. And so I, I want to help bridge that gap. I think that's uh, a, an extreme lost art in our business. I think that's, I think that's extreme lost art in our business, and I, I want to help bridge that gap because I think you know it's that's that's a very important thing. Draymond, as somebody that's poised to join the media after their playing career, I, I got to ask you this question because media members get votes on who's going to be the MVP. It seems like this year's race is coming down to the wire with Giannis and with Joel Embiid and Nikola Jokic as one of the best defenders in the NBA. Who would you cast your vote for as the guy that's deserving of the MVP this year? I think it's it's definitely one of the closer races that we've seen. I think you can you can you, know, you can talk to five different people today and and get three or four totally different answers. And I think um, you know we haven't seen a race this close. When I when I look at my MVP, 
you know, Joel has been great. He's been incredible. I think Joker's been great. He's been incredible. Um, Giannis has been great. He's been incredible. But I asked the question, I posed the question, what's the criteria? Because, you know, there's years where we've heard, oh, the best player on the best team is going to win. The best player on the best team is going to win the MVP award. You know, there's been years where we saw someone on the sixth seed or seventh seed win an MVP award. Uh, if Joker's to win again and they do finish in, in, in fifth or sixth, then, you know, you have that narrative. Devin Booker's not even being mentioned in the category. They're leading the league by in, in team record by a long shot, and he's been absolutely incredible. And so I asked, what is the criteria? And at what point, at, when does it get to a point to where it's not just someone saying, oh, well, I like the season this guy had, and, it, and it's no merit. It's, it's nothing – you know, it's, it's nothing that's set in stone that says, oh, he did X, Y, and Z. He checked off these boxes. This guy wins the MVP. So, for me personally and what I value, Devin Booker's the MVP of the NBA mm. for what I value. Okay, then. And when what I is- say, oh, that guy was the most valuable player, that's what the MVP means. It means most valuable player. Who's the most valuable player? And what are you valuable to? Because I think that has to matter as well. Well, Draymond, you might not always like the media, but you are destined for the media because you just handled that question perfectly and beautifully. So you're going to have a long career on this side of the mic if you want it in the future. Draymond Green, Golden State Warriors forward joining us. So finally, Draymond, on the way out here, I want you to tell me about Amazon Glow. But also, first, give me a Steph Curry update, if you will, and then tell us what you're doing with Amazon Glow. Uh, I mean, Steph Curry update, you know, he's, kind of right where, uh, you know, they said the update would be. He's back on the court. He's shooting his shots and, um, you know, getting, getting some work in. It's great to see him back on the floor and putting that work in. And, um, you know, hopefully still, the timetable is still the exact timetable. Obviously, we know how important he is to our team, how important he is to the NBA as a whole. You know, and when you're going into the playoffs, you want the stars out there. So we're definitely looking forward to getting him back out there. Um and as far as Amazon Glow, it's it's actually been something that I really enjoy, uh, a device where where I can see my family through video, um, but most importantly, we can interact, we can read, um, you know, we can we can play games on a device, uh, you know, and 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 all of those sorts of things. I think it's it's a very interactive device, and you know, as someone who is on the road for forty one games. In a, in a season, you, you miss so much time. And, you know, Amazon Glow is, 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 has been a great device that's helping bridge that gap uh, in family and, and where it's not just, you know, you're not just on a, on a normal call. Like, we're, we're interacting. Uh, we can read through the device. We can play games through the device. And, and, and it just makes you feel closer at home. And keeping that connectivity to your family, and that, and it's been very beneficial for me in that aspect. Well, that Amazon Glow of yours might get a lot of work here this uh, off season with a long, hopefully, off season run coming up for your Golden State Warriors team. Draymond Green, thanks so much for hopping on with us. Thank you, I appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Coming up next, buyer's remorse. Would the Lakers be title contenders had they signed DeMar DeRozan? I think Chris Canty thinks so. That's next. This is ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio.
So we just had Draymond Green join us here on ESPN Radio, Amber Wilson and Chris Canty. ESPN Radio is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. And Draymond Green is always an open book when you interview him. He brings the goods, and the goods he gave us this time were when Chris asked him who is the MVP this season, expecting it, like all of us, to be you know Giannis or Joel Embiid or Jokic, who are seemingly in a three-horse race here. He went outside of those three, Chris Canty. He threw us a curveball. He said Devin Booker is his MVP. Now, we all know where Devin Booker's team is in terms of the Western Conference and how unbelievable they've been. Booker is averaging over 26 points per game, five boards, almost five assists per game. For the Suns, who are the best team in the NBA by a mile, and in large part, because of Devin Booker. How do you feel about Draymond Green choosing Devin Booker as this year's MVP? I love it, Amber. I love it because when he made his comments, he said the MVP is the most valuable player award, but you're the MVP of what? Meaning, what does your team look like? The overall record in your team's performance has to matter. And the Phoenix Suns are 11 games clear of, what, the, the Miami Heat who had the best record in the East? So, I mean, I think that matters. There's seven games clear of the Memphis Grizzlies in the Western Conference. So, I think that you have to look at it from the perspective of how good the Suns are and then think about Devin Booker's individual performance. He's top 10 in scoring average this season. Right now, he currently has the eighth best odds to win the MVP, so it's not likely that it's going to happen. But I do think when we start talking about these individual awards, we have to take into account the impact that the player has on the team's overall success. And right now, you'd be hard-pressed to find somebody that 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 is having a greater impact on his team's overall success in terms of where they're projecting to be, where they're trending to be, than Devin Booker. So, I mean, this is a team that you're saying the Phoenix Suns, they're, they're the team to beat in the Western Conference. That was your words, not mine. And Devin Booker is the best player on said team. So, how could he not garner more consideration for the MVP award? Well, it always depends how you rate the MVP and what the MVP comes down to. Is it the best player in the league? Is it the most important player to his team in the league? If we talk about it that way, that's actually a knock against Devin Booker here because there's this weird stat. Like with John Morant this season where you take him off the Grizz and somehow they're still out here winning games. At what like are they, 19-2 un- and two or something yeah, like they're that? Insane. Yeah. It's an insane clip without yeah. Jaw, and it's like the most in NBA history for you know when you take a 25-plus point score or uh, out of the lineup. There's this weird stat there that I read yesterday. I don't have it in front of me, but the Suns and Devin Booker are also on that list. They're like fifth or sixth on that list in terms of Devin Booker, their success when he hasn't been out there on the floor. So there is that portion of this. That's a very good Suns team, in other words, with or without Devin Booker. But obviously, Devin Booker is pivotal to their success, and they are the best team. So to your point, if you're grading best team, and best player on best team, then it is a Devin Booker type award. Well, let's hear from Draymond Green on why Draymond chose Devin Booker as this year's MVP. You know, Joel has been great. He's been incredible. I think Joker's been great. He's been incredible. Um, Giannis has been great. He's been incredible. But I asked the question, I posed the question, what's the criteria? Because, you know, there's years where we've heard, oh, the best player on the best team is going to win. The best player on the best team is going to win the MVP award. You know, there's been years where we saw someone on the sixth seed or seventh seed win an MVP award. Uh, if Joker's to win again and they do finish in, in, in fifth or sixth, then, you know, you have that narrative. Devin Booker's not even being mentioned in the category. They're leading the league 
by in, in team record by a long shot, and he's been absolutely incredible. And so I asked, what is the criteria? And at what point, uh, when does it get to a point to where it's not just someone saying, oh, well, I like the season this guy had, and, it, and it's no merit. It's, it's nothing – you know, it's, it's nothing that's set in stone that says, oh, he did X, Y, and Z. He checked off these boxes. This guy wins the MVP. So, for me personally and what I value, Devin Booker's the MVP of the NBA. And I get where he's coming from, Amber, because it seems like it's so subjective in terms of what media members, what voters are going to run with when it comes to the narrative surrounding the players that are in the mix for MVP, whether it's player efficiency rating, whether it's scoring title, all of these different metrics, and yet it seems like we miss the the, you know, the overarching importance of trying to quantify what the player's impact on the team's success actually is. And so that's the part where I completely understand where Draymond is coming from, and I thought it's interesting. We're talking about one of the best defenders in the entire NBA and him saying what the front court players have done, Joel, Giannis, and Joker is amazing, but people need to take a closer look at what Devin Booker is doing. For somebody that's been a part of a dynastic team in the Golden State Warriors to come out and say that about Devin Booker, a team that uh, a player that that's going to be a part of a team that's their primary competition to come out of the West, I think that speaks volumes in terms of what he believes Booker's impact on the Suns' success actually is. I think that for me, when I discuss the MVP, I'm thinking who is most important to the success of their team. But of course, the success of the actual team then enters that conversation. Like to me, out of these four guys, if we're having a conversation about Embiid and Joker and Giannis and now Devin Booker, to me, Jokic in that conversation is most important to his team just because I think that Nuggets team is, you know, a lottery team is not a good team if he is not out there doing what he's doing. I don't like the support cast and they've suffered injuries this season so from that respect I think he's I guess the most important to his team but they're not the most successful team so if, if we're talking most successful team then that would be Devin Booker entering that conversation or even Joel Embiid or Giannis having the edge there over Jokic so it always comes down to what you value in terms of the MVP conversation and there is no scientific process when it comes to evaluating an MVP but man Draymond Green bringing the heat and actually giving us an answer in terms of who he would rate as the MVP this season. Coming up next, I get to that LeBron conversation, that Lakers conversation that I teased after the last hour. Would they be contenders had they signed DeMar DeRozan? That's next. ESPN Radio. That's going to do it from here as the Denver Nuggets win it 129 to 118. Jokic with 38 points, 18 rebounds. Anthony Davis gave it a good run this afternoon. It sucks. It sucks telling these guys every game, proud of you, good effort. We lost. And it's, it's just disappointing to, to come in and, you know, just keep saying we fell short. This is ESPN Radio. Amber Wilson and Chris Canty. The Los Angeles Lakers, which is Chris Canty's team, their season might be over, effectively, tonight. Chris the Canty, season's been least, over, Amber. Stop it. Their season's been over. Don't you start doing that. The season has been over, Amber. Where you been at? They 16 games under 500. The season has been over. Now they get officially eliminated from 
our misery tonight. I mean, they're they probably going to get put out if the if, Spurs win and we lose to the Suns, which is inevitable. Then we don't have to worry about Lakers playing tournament talk anymore. But the season has been over. Sounds like you Stop want this it. to happen. So as Chris mentioned, if the Lakers lose to the Suns, that is a 10.30 p.m. tip-off. And if the Spurs win on the road tonight, then the Lakers are officially eliminated from contention here in terms of the play-in tournament. LeBron James has been ruled out for tonight's game against the Phoenix Suns. So that ain't good news for the Lakers who are playing easily the best team in the NBA. Did you know that you can listen to ESPN Radio commercial-free? That's right. You can listen to all your favorite ESPN Radio shows and much more without the ads on TuneIn, the best audio app for sports fans. Just download the TuneIn app to get started. So there's been some uh, legendary greats who've been a little teeny bit critical of LeBron this week as he chases his scoring title and as his team maybe gets eliminated from the postseason. One of those now enters the fray in Magic Johnson. He has said that the Los Angeles Lakers would be in a very different position if different moves were made in terms of its roster. Here's Magic Johnson. DeMar DeRozan, he wanted to play for the Lakers. This man is having an MVP season. I got the call from his agent. Said, hey, man, we want to come home. I know Aaron Goodwin very well. He know Aaron. So he called me. I said, okay, let me call Rob. Bam. Hey, I I passed. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, look. I know look. I know look. I said, hey, talk to Aaron. You guys work that out. I'm out of it now. And it didn't happen, and, but they were negotiating. And then here comes this Westbrook thing out of nowhere. The Westbrook thing out of nowhere that I think a lot of people <clears throat> might blame in terms of the big uh, reason that the Lakers are not most likely going to make the postseason this season. So Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was kind of criticizing, and then he walked it back. LeBron's, uh, you know, off-court uh, activism or, or some of his hypocrisy uh, that we've seen make an appearance. While Magic Johnson is taking some aim at maybe James's involvement here in the roster construction, because a lot of people think that the reason that they end up going with Westbrook instead of DeRozan had everything to do with LeBron, Chris Canty. I'm sure it's personal relationships, right? And DeMar DeRozan is from Compton, California, so... Like, this is a place that he wanted to come and play. Now, I get it. Russell Westbrook is from L.A. too. So, both of those guys wanting to come home. But in terms of what would be the better fit alongside LeBron, you would want to have the better shooter of the two. And that, by far, is DeMar DeRozan. Now, granted, he does most of his damage in the mid-range. But DeMar DeRozan is sixth in scoring in the NBA in average this year. You're telling me that the Lakers couldn't use that influx of offensive firepower? on this current roster, especially given all the games that Anthony Davis has missed? I'm sure they could. Now, the one thing that you couldn't have predicted was the injury luck or or the lack thereof and a lot of your key guys being hurt, namely AD and LeBron. But uh, at the same – You could have predicted AD. You could have predicted Well, you injury. probably could have predicted AD. But yeah. here's the thing. You didn't think that you were going to be missing LeBron James for a significant portion of the season as well. But DeMar DeRozan would have been good enough to be able to hold it down the fort, given what we've seen him do with the Chicago Bulls, who's a top contending team in the Eastern Conference and likely going to be in a real playoff series and not a play-in tournament. And so, to me, if if Magic is saying that he got the call from DeMar DeRozan's agent, saying that he wanted to be a part of the Lakers and that didn't happen, and the organization acquiesced to LeBron James wanting to go with Russell Westbrook, then you have to put a lot of the blame for what happened to the Lakers this season 
at the feet of LeBron James. There's no question about it in my mind. For as great as he is as a player, it's fair to criticize him and his involvement as a general manager or personnel decision maker. This is on him. Like, we, we can't absolve him of the blame in this situation. So, I, I, as a fan, it's frustrating to hear that my team was this close to having a guy that could be the difference in this team contending at a championship level versus a team that's not even going to make the play-in. DeMar DeRozan's Chicago Bulls are sitting at fifth in the East, so they will definitely be in the postseason mix while the Lakers are probably at home uh, watching the postseason. That's great. DeMar DeRozan, though, in fairness, he's having the best season of his entire career with the Chicago Bulls. I'm not sure you could have predicted that he would be this good. He's averaging a career-high 28 points per game in Chicago, and he has everything to do with why the Bulls are right there in the middle of the playoff mix. But, But, Amber, you didn't have to predict that he was going to have a career year, you know how to build LeBron James championship caliber teams. It's get LeBron James. He's going to be your point guard. Then surround him with shooters. Let me tell you what Russell Westbrook is not. A shooter. He's never been a shooter. He's terrible shooting from the perimeter. So why bring him in? It doesn't complement what LeBron James brings to the table. DeMar DeRozan does. So that part about it is predictable. You could foresee that, that this Russell Westbrook marriage could be a little bit awkward because Russ has never been a player that's effective off the ball. LeBron James is going to have the ball in his hands no matter what team he plays on. So what is Russell Westbrook's role if he's not your point guard and orchestrator of your offense? Please help me with that one. Well, you knew with Russell Westbrook's game, even though DeMar DeRozan is only a year younger than Westbrook, you knew with Russell Westbrook's game, it's the type of game that is not going to age well. So maybe you couldn't have predicted the fall off being as stark as it's been, but you knew, you should have known anyways, it's not going to age well. You also should have known that there's major durability issues with Anthony Davis. So you absolutely should have known that the roster as it's currently constructed has problems. And then frankly, Chris Canty, you should have known that at 37 years old, LeBron is not going to also be durable night in and night out. It's just totally unrealistic with how many miles that his body has on it. As incredible as he's been and as Teflon as he was for the huge majority of his career, he is 37 years old at this point, even if he's putting up 30 every single night for that Los Angeles Lakers team. You also should have known that when you didn't want to give DeMar DeRozan the contract that he reportedly wanted, that that Russell Westbrook contract is going to be ugly as heck. I mean, you're not willing to pay DeRozan, but now you have a Westbrook contract that you're going to quite literally have to attach picks to most likely anyways in order no, to have to we gonna buy him out. It. We, we, we ain't going to do that. We're going to buy him out. Either no way. way. You're spending no money way. that you no, we're gonna buy him out. just coughed up for buy, DeRozan. Buy, buy him out. Don't give up the pick. Why would you give up the 2027 first round pick? That's going to be a great pick, Amber. Just go ahead and buy him out. Buy him out. Or Don't trade AD, get other picks. I think you said it yesterday. Trade AD, get other picks, maybe package one of them to Westbrook. Keep that 2027 first if you can. Yes, they're going to be terrible. They're going to need to reload yeah. on the back end of LeBron James's career. Coming up next, Rob Gronkowski. He says that he's not ready to commit to another NFL season. That's next. This is ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio. Chris Canty, people accuse Major League Baseball of being an old sport. 
And yet, they are upgrading their technology. They are finding a way to try to eliminate sign stealing from the game. Major League Baseball will reportedly give pitchers and catchers the option of using newly tested anti-sign stealing signaling devices in the upcoming regular season. This is according to ESPN's Buster Olney. The device, referred to as PitchCom, is expected to greatly inhibit the chances of sign stealing, which, of course, those scandals have rocked Major League Baseball recently. It uses a pad with buttons on the wrist of the gloved hand, a catcher will be able to signal pitches directly to a pitcher through a listening device. As many as three other teammates of the pitcher and the catcher will also have access to the device to assist in fielding positioning, according to Olney. Do you like a technology upgrade for baseball? So let me get this right, Amber. Major League Baseball is going to try to level the playing field and eliminate electronic sign stealing and hitters getting an unfair advantage against the pitchers by incorporating more technology. Interesting approach. Interesting approach. This is similar to me to the coach to quarterback communication in the helmet um, where the coaches can send the plays in that way. I just think it's curious how the catcher is going to utilize that in real time and how the pitchers are going to adjust to being able to have I guess this this mechanism on on their person while they're actually pitching in a game. This is going to be interesting to see how Major League Baseball implements it, but something had to happen. I guess sign stealing has been around as long as baseball as a sport has been around, um, and to try to use technology in order to prevent players on offense from being able to take advantage of the signs that the catcher is putting down for the pitcher. I think it's an interesting approach. It's an interesting innovation. I also believe there are going to be unintended consequences because that's what we always see with some of the adjustments that Major League Baseball has to make. But I do like the fact that baseball is trying to be, I I guess, somewhat proactive in trying to find, you know, some kind of innovation in order to solve this problem because this is an issue that they have to fix. Players are still going to have the option of using the traditional method of finger flashing to suggest a pitch count. So they don't have to use this initially if they're not comfortable with it. But, of course, what's happened is sign stealing's always been part of the game. But now when you can position cameras everywhere else and you and have guys all this using crazy, Apple watches, so right. base runners on second, having a direct view of the catcher, putting down the signs, all of those things matter. And so having they're this mechanism, having this could potentially eliminate that. And they, I guess they made this as simple as possible to maybe try to prevent things like hacking. So we'll see if this eliminates sign stealing in Major League Baseball. ESPN Radio. We are taking it down the stretch here on ESPN Radio. Amber Wilson and Chris Canty. You can tweet to us at Chris Canty 99 at Amber W790. We have had an action-packed show today. A lot of time spent on the major comeback in sports. I'm not even talking about the Kansas Jayhawks. I'm talking about Tiger Woods, who is, uh, I guess, taking a little of the steam away from Kansas, frankly, Chris, because we started the show off the top with Tiger Woods' comeback, but that's what Tiger does. No doubt about it. But, I mean, here's the thing. It's about trying to project what's going to happen in sports. And everybody saw the national championship game last night. And the largest comeback in national championship game history by the Kansas Jayhawks. Congratulations to Bill Self, Ochai Abaji, and the rest of that team. 
But now the eyes and ears of the sports world, forget about just the sports world, Amber, the eyes and the ears of the world are on Augusta right now because Tiger Woods has a chance to come back after that horrific car accident that he suffered 14 months ago where it could have taken his life, it could have taken his leg, but yet we're talking about him potentially playing all four days down at the Masters after spending three months in the awake of that accident laid up in a hospital bed. It's an unbelievable comeback, one of the greatest comebacks in the history of sports as far as I'm concerned, and it doesn't necessarily matter what he does down at Augusta. This is about Tiger Woods the rest of this week, and that's why there will be so many people, whether they like golf or not, tuned in to watch to see what Tiger does this weekend. Yeah, if he makes the cut, just talking about him walking the 72 holes, I think, is a remarkable feat onto itself, considering everything that Tiger Woods went through with that a car accident, like you mentioned, that was only 14 months ago. So that has been the story of today's show. LaFonso Ellis, he joined us earlier in the show, though, to talk about Kansas Jayhawks because they did have that monster historic comeback, uh, dashing the dreams of UNC. UNC will be just fine, though. They did uh, ruin the end of Coach K's career, and hopefully they'll be back here in an opportunity to win another championship soon under Hubert Davis. Michael Eves, Sports Center anchor, also joined us live from Augusta. He helped us unpack all the mania around Tiger Woods. The crowd right now in Augusta just watching Tiger practice is like a Masters Sunday crowd. Michael Eves told us that it's historic, that he's never seen anything like it in terms of the crowd turnout just to watch the practice runs at the Masters. Diana Rossini joined us earlier as well to talk all things uh, NFL offseason. The NFL offseason continues to just uh, give us the headlines and give us the content day in and day out and Draymond Green Golden State Warriors Fort he joined us as well earlier in the show Draymond did not hold back and to that point it is time right now to go three and out sometimes it's the worst sometimes it's the best best either way we'll get you straight with everything you need to know this is three and out So Draymond Green has been spending some time uh, as the media. He has been working on the other side of the mic. We've seen uh, the Dwayne Wades of the world do it and be wildly successful and Shaq and Charles Barkley and everybody else. And Draymond is kind of that targeted current player that we all expect is going to go on one day when he feels like it to have a wildly successful career in the media because he doesn't hold back and he's always truthful. And so I asked Draymond, if working in the media a little bit has changed his opinion about the media, and I was a little surprised by his answer. Here's Draymond Green. I think when I'm over there doing it, what I realize is a lot of things that go on in in the media are unnecessary. So I don't think it quite changed the way um, most would think my opinion changed. I think a lot of things are unnecessary. And then I also think there are some times where players don't quite understand the position that, a media member could be in. Uh, but on the flip side of that, I think, you know, it's it's in part due to um, a lot of bad judgment used by media as well. So the trust is just all screwed up. So he tried to soften it there for a moment, Chris Canty, saying that uh, sometimes the players don't understand the media. But uh, mostly he was saying, no, nah, it hasn't changed my opinion of the media. You are a former player, a Super Bowl champion, who now is sitting on this side of the mic with little with lowly old me. Has your opinion of the media changed at all since you became part of it? 
Not really, because I always understood that the media has a job to do, and they can't do their job without the players, but the players can always do their job without the media. Even though it was built into my contract as an NFL player to make myself available for the media, I always understood that even though the reporters were the ones with the microphones and the cameras, I was the one that was essentially writing the story. So as long as I made sure to craft the story in a way that I thought reflected in a positive way on myself and my teammates, I was good. And so I think players have to have that level of awareness. But you're starting to see that more players understand that now while they're trying to build their brands, understanding that they want to monetize their athletic ability at the highest levels. You have to make yourself available to the media. And they can be an asset to you. So it doesn't make any sense to make it an adversarial relationship. And I think that's why players like Draymond Green tend to thrive when they get thrust into these roles of being a part of the media, even while they're active players. It's because they have that level of awareness. And I think that with this generation of athlete, you're starting to see that understanding grow in that respect. So, no, my opinion of the media hasn't changed. And I think that a lot of current players understand how they can use the media to further whatever endeavors that they have in the future. I expect that Draymond Green one day uh, will join the dark side and be fully part of the media. Don't refer of... to it as the dark side, no, Amber. You know, Stop it. it. Draymond, Stop he sounded it. like he said he wanted to bridge the, the gap. He did side. say later in the interview that he wanted to bridge the gap between the media and the player. Yes. But I imagine that one day he will very much get that opportunity to regularly do so if he so chooses. Another player who could, if he wanted to, probably have a career in the media would be Rob Gronkowski. Now That would look just, a lot differently than Draymond Green. That would look Green. a little different than Draymond's. <laughs> I was just trying to find a way to make that transition. but uh, No, that's yeah, a hard would, left turn there, but there is no smooth transition going from Draymond to this guy. You know, there's a market for Gronk, I assure you, in the media. It just might look a little bit different in terms of the outlet that these guys might end up at. A free agent tight end in Rob Gronkowski. He once said he'd never play without Tom Brady as his quarterback. Brady's back, but Gronk is not. He says he's not sure that he's ready to commit to playing football again. He's only 32. Chris Canty, are we going to see Gronk come back? Yeah, we're going to see him, but there's no reason for Gronk to commit to that right now. Gronk needs to enjoy his offseason and let his body heal up. The translation from Rob Gronkowski saying he's not ready to commit means I'm not ready to come to the offseason workouts. I'm not ready to go to OTAs. I don't want to do minicamp, and I don't know that I want to do an entire training camp. So the longer I wait to make this decision – the better off my body is going to feel when I actually go through the 2022 season. But make no mistake about it, we will see Rob Gronkowski down in Tampa Bay this year playing with Tom Brady. No question in my mind. Gronk says, right now I'm not ready to get back out on the field. Well, yeah, right now you're not. Uh, You're you're also probably not going to be in training camp, but when the season fires up, I'm sure you probably will be. Firing up next, right after we end here, is Spain and Fitz. This has been ESPN Radio.